0: Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus's message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit HermesonAssembly.com and click the give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Amen. Open up your Bibles today to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter five. This was a series that I began back in the summer called The Fearless Church. And, and I've been looking for an opportunity to pick it up again and to keep moving forward with it. Acts chapter five is what we're looking at. And today, as we talk about The Fearless Church, I want to talk about fearless authenticity. Fearless authenticity. Authenticity. I think the greatest challenge that the church has today is being real. I'm not talking about being critical. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, just looking at what's, you know, the reality, just the reality of what's going on around them. But the reality of who God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the reality of what they are doing through the church. And, and so as we read this particular passage, it's, it's interesting how, Whenever God begins to move in an authentic way, when I say authentic, authenticity does not deny the mountain, okay? Authenticity doesn't deny that there is a mountain or that there are not struggles or there are temptations that arise, but authenticity gives testimony to the greater reality of Jesus Christ, meaning, yes, there is a mountain, but he who is in me is greater than the mountain, amen? He who is in me is greater than he that's in the world. Uh, you know, I had friends back in college, they would complain about stuff, and, and I'd say, you know, what's up with that, man? And they'd say, well, it's the truth, it's real. You know, it's what's going on. I'm like, the, the truth is the word of God. Yes, there is a mountain. Yes, there are challenges in our way. Yes, there are times of, uh, where we're faced with issues and situations, but this is the greater uh, reality, this is the greater truth. This is the truth that it shall not pass away. The Bible says, even if heaven and earth passes away, this word will never pass away. And so today I want to talk about authenticity. And we're going to see an example of how it was challenged. So read with me, beginning in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. It says, there was a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, Who sold a possession and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it. In other words, she had full knowledge of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained or while it was with you, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young, man, or the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her and said, Peter answered her and said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for that much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all those and upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and none of the rest dared to join them. But the people esteemed them highly. This is talking about the world, the unbelievers. And the believer and and believers, verse 14, were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall upon them. And also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Say that with me. And they were all healed. This would make for a good, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been interesting if you were there that Sunday morning when this took place? This is uh, the challenge that we have here. At the end of uh, Acts chapter four, Barnabas, who was known as Joseph, Barnabas means son, son of encouragement, in the end of Acts chapter four, we, we are seeing that this church is just, God is just pouring out his spirit in mighty measures, mighty ways. There's such a liberty, such a freedom, such a love, such a sense of God's presence. And, and, that, and when I talk about being authentic today, what I'm talking about is, is guarding the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. In other words, allowing the presence of God. That's what is real. That is what is genuine. It's when this word comes alive in our hearts. Amen, and we see here that there was such a freedom, such a liberty. The Bible says that there was a man named Joseph, or Joseph who was also called Barnabas, son of encouragement. That he took a piece of land in, in this atmosphere that was charged with God's presence, God's holiness, miracles, signs, wonders, salvations, uh, changed lives. And he brought, he sold the piece of land, and he brought all the money, and he gave it to the apostles and laid it at their feet. And he says, "Do in essence, do with it what you." see fit. They took it and they would distribute it to the point where the Bible says that the church lacked nothing. The church lacked nothing. Say that with me. The church lacked nothing. In other words, that uh, it wasn't anemic. It wasn't, um, uh, it, it wasn't uh, falling short. The needs were being met within the body of Christ. And in the midst of that, and this is the greatest enemy of authenticity, we see here that a man named Ananias and his wife named Sapphira, they thought to themselves, you know what? We're gonna do the same thing. But there was a difference. They were driven, Barnabas was driven by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira were originally driven by envy, jealousy. They said, well, if Barnabas got that kind of a response, then what would, we, what would happen if we did the same thing? They were, they were jealous over someone else's gift. Let me tell you something, church. You don't have to be jealous over anyone else's gift. You don't have to be envious. You don't have to worry about, well, my goodness, they're getting more of the limelight, or they're getting their name called out, or, or, or they're getting public recognition, or whatever. That, that is, that be, that's nothing but jealousy, and it turns into strife. It turns into... Uh, even, and, of course, like drinking buddies, they never, it never is just those things. It, it never, no one ever wants to drink alone. All of a sudden, now you've got this whole group coming in of sins coming into an individual's life. So much so that it had filled their hearts, the Bible says. So the word says here, I'm going to give you some points of what the nature of hypocrisy is. Number one, it begins with envy. They were jealous of this act of generosity that Barnabas had committed Barnabas' act was a genuine response to the work of the Spirit of God in the church that day. We don't have to be envious of someone else's giftings, someone else's callings, someone else's abilities. Every one of us, the Bible says that we are fitly joined together. Just like a mason who's putting a, building a brick house, he knows how to place each stone or each brick perfectly in order to build the house. Every one of you, myself included, we are all stones. We are all uh, parts of the building. We all have a place. No one else can take our place. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that every joint, talking about the makeup of a body, every joint. Do you realize it's the marrow of a bone that provides the immunities for the body? And that every joint supplies something to the body. If you're not supplying something, if you're not doing your part, something is lacking. We may not be able to put our finger on it, but we're missing something. Something is is short. Something is missing. We have a deficiency somewhere. Why is that? Because you are part of the body and God values you as he values everybody else. The Bible tells us how that God loves no one person more than another, that his love is the same for everybody. And so we see here that one, one sign of hypocrisy, and what is hypocrisy? It's the definition of wearing a mask. You show one thing, but then behind the mask is something altogether different. It starts with envy. And then envy, we see here, leads to deception. What was going on? Ananias and Sapphira were attempting to deceive the body of Christ. They were saying one thing, but they were doing something different. But in reality, what they were doing was they were attempting to deceive God the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. When when we're dishonest, when we lie, when we misrepresent, we're not just lying to our boss, we're lying to God. We're not just lying to our coworkers, we're lying to God. We're not just lying to our spouse, we're lying to God. We're not just lying to our children, we're lying to the Spirit of God. Why? Because every time we do that, we are quenching the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're wondering, why don't I feel freedom? Why don't I feel joy? Why can't I seem to enter into the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit? Is it because there's envy there? Is it because there's jealousy? Is it because uh, there's a, there's a, 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 a measure of deception that's going on? We're not we're not we're not uh, say, we're not what we say is not who we really are. They were claiming they were in essence saying, "Hey, this is we sold this piece of property, and here it all is." When in reality, it was only a portion of that sale. Could it be that they did not trust God to fulfill their own needs? Could it be they held it back, but they still wanted the recognition for it? And so we see here that in hypocrisy, the, one of the great enemies of the church, it, it starts with envy, it, it leads to deception. They weren't just lying to God's people, they were lying to God, the Holy Spirit. Paul, Peter would go on to say, Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit. Hypocrisy opens one's life to the enemy. Do you hear what I'm saying? By the time they had conspired with one another, Satan had filled their hearts, their whole inner being. There, were, there was no more room for the Holy Spirit to operate in their lives. This same word, fill, when he says Satan filled your heart, it's the same word in Acts chapter 4, 31, where Peter described the infilling of the Holy Spirit, When we talk about the infilling, when you get saved, there is that deposit made. Jesus breathed on the disciples. This was before the day of Pentecost. He walked in the room. He breathed on them. He says, receive you the Holy Spirit. What was he saying? Receive the Spirit of, of salvation. The Spirit of God is now in you. You are now saved. You're a new person, a new creature, a new creation. But then on the day of Pentecost, there came an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Such an outpouring that it would fill them through and through. They didn't just come up with a little water on their heads. They, they, it's like falling in the river. You ca- they came out soaked, immersed. In fact, that's what baptism of the Holy Spirit means, to immerse into the Spirit of God. And so Peter is saying, just as you could be filled with the Holy Spirit, you could also be filled with envy and strife and deception. Meaning he says, you were so full of it that the Holy Spirit no longer has control in your life, no longer has sway in your heart. And so he says, these are the enemies of authenticity. He says, you have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. Who is is God? God the Father, God the Son. He was referring to God the Holy Spirit. He says, you've not lied to us, you've lied to God the Holy Spirit. Every time we, and we may, you know, even in our private lives, Uh, you know, uh, the true test or character of an individual is not so much what they do in public, but rather what they do in private. And we can quench this. We don't have to be in a church service and worry about quenching the Spirit. We've been quenching the Spirit all week long. We've been doing things here and there all throughout our days that are quenching the Holy Spirit's operation in our lives, and then we wonder where is the power, where is the presence, where is, uh, uh, where, is, um, uh, where is the authority, where is the joy, where is the peace, where is the comfort, where is the strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I have no strength because I have no joy. And I have no joy because I do not have the Holy Spirit operating in me to the fullest. Isn't the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, temperance, kindness, meekness, all of these, these are all the fruits of the Spirit? Keep in mind, I, this didn't dawn on me until this morning during the pre-prayer time, pre-prayer service, that, that, that Galatians 5, came to my mind. It doesn't say the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit or holiness It said the fruit of the Spirit is the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the temperance, the meekness, the gentleness, the kindness. They are all fruit of holiness. Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Out of holiness, out of being immersed into the presence of a holy God, comes the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the meekness, the temperance, the gentleness. The perseverance. Holiness is not the fruit. Holiness is a state of uh, existence. Meaning, when you were born again, you asked Christ in your heart and life, he made you holy. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to grant you the experiential knowledge of that holiness to where you grow in the holiness of God. You're walking in it. You're talking in it. You're experiencing it. That's, that's when, we, when we look at the love of God. All of it is based on the fact that God is holy. Because he is holy, his love is not up, way, up one day and down the next. Because he is holy, he's not fickle. He doesn't promise you something that he does not intend to give you. He does not promise something that he does not intend to deliver. Why? It's not because he's love, but rather it's because he is holy. His holiness is what produces the, the right kind of love and the right kind of joy and the right kind of peace, the type of joy, love, and peace, and temperance, meaning, kindness, kind of generous, the, 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 type, the type that is eternal, the type that actually changes lives, the type that will not pass away. That's what's being authentic is all about. Amen? And so we see here that Peter said, you didn't lie, to me, you lied to God. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You, you have, you've been quenching him all this time, and now you've done the ultimate. You've totally lied to him. Things you've conspired in private, things that you've agreed on in private, now have come to a head. You not only are just quenching and, 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 and ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but he says now you've outright lied to him. And the word says that when Peter said those words that Ananias drew his last breath and dropped to the floor. I find throughout the word of God, I find throughout, is, is that, is that something, to say that means do we not want to pursue God's presence? Not at all. But there was such a sense or heightened sense of the presence and the glory of God that with great glory comes swift judgment. Quick response. What happened here? Peter, whether it was, whether it was the word of knowledge or discernment, he immediately, because this is what authenticity does. Number, it, it, it recognizes that dishonesty cannot cohabitate with authenticity. Peter's like, "Something's wrong with this. Something's not right." And he asked Ananias, he says, "Ananias, you know what you didn't have to give the whole you didn't have to give the sale of the property. You could have come with part of it, and it would have been fine. It wasn't that it was required. Just because Barnabas did it didn't mean that Ananias had to do it. Ananias chose to do something like that. He could have held back part and says, well, actually, this is, only a, this is a tithe. How many people I know have given a tithe off of a sale of property? It's wonderful. It's great. It's a blessing. There's joy in it. But he, did not only, he didn't claim to give a tithe. He claimed to give it all. And all the while, he was holding back. The word tells, us. the word reveals to us here that, that there was such an atmosphere of honesty before God that dishonesty could not reside. Because you know why? Because it's an attack on the church. It's an attack on the presence of God. It's an attack on the power of God. It's an attack on the authority of God. If we, the church, what, was it, what did Moses say in back in Exodus chapter 32 and 33? He said, Lord, if you don't go with us, Number one, I don't want to go into the promised land, but if you don't go with us, we will be no different than anyone else on planet Earth. Do you realize that God the Holy Spirit is the distinct difference between us and everybody else? What makes you different than all your coworkers that have never claimed to know Jesus? You have Jesus in you, but you have the power and presence of God with you. When you walk into that office space, You're not walking in by yourself. You're walking in with the presence of God right there. Going before you and going behind you and walking around you and moving in the hearts of people around you. We see here that there's always that challenge. The enemy wants to come in. See, up until now, the enemy was trying to attack the church physically. I mean, Peter and John and Silas, they were getting beat on a regular basis. They were getting physically persecuted, thrown in jail, and that wasn't working. And so what did the enemy decide to do this time? He's like, well, if I can't get them on the outside, I'm going to get them on the inside. Isn't that a tactic the enemy has used over and over and over and over and over and over. You see a church that's thriving, that's exploding. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. And all of a sudden, something creeps in. We don't know what it is. We don't, we don't realize it until it's hit. But something has come into the church that has literally killed and quenched the work of the Holy Spirit. There are churches right now, as we speak, meeting just like you and I right here. And they're sitting in what would be, would, be, uh, the, the, would be a shell of a church. A church that has no presence of God. A church that is not experiencing and having encounters with Jesus Christ on a regular basis. That kind of stuff keeps me awake at night. That kind of stuff keeps me going off in my staff meetings on Wednesdays or Tuesdays or whenever we meet to say we have got to have the operation of the Holy Spirit in our gatherings. Because if we do not, we are no different than the world. Through prayer, through fasting, through seeking him, through saying, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Because without you, like Moses said, Lord, without you, we are nothing. Jesus, in John 15, he says, without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. I am the giver. I am the, I'm the one who gives you the Holy Spirit. You are the branches. As long as you stay connected to me, as long as you do nothing to, to break that branch off or to sever ties with me, he says, there is nothing that will be impossible for you. And so we see here that they cannot cohabitate. And then what happened? Genuine reverence came back. And came, I shouldn't say came back, but there was, uh, it went from glory to glory. It went from one place of reverence to now there was a greater sense of reverence toward God. Verse 11 says, so great fear came upon the church and upon all who heard these things. What kind of fear? It wasn't being scared. It wasn't that kind of a fear. It wasn't like a Halloween thing. It wasn't like being scared to death you want to run away. But rather, it was a holy fear. This kind of fear didn't split the church. Amazing, isn't it? (laughs) When when something like this takes place, you would have thought that would have churches, split the church wide open. In reality, all it did was heighten the awe and wonder of God, heighten the sense of love for God. Sometimes we think we have to lower God's standards in order to be accepted by the world. If anything, they just ramped it up. If anything, they had such an and it wasn't man's doings. Keep this in mind. It wasn't Peter in his own flesh calling this out. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was led by the Holy Spirit to do what he did. Because we, because we, could, we could preach God's word and laugh about it. Or we could preach God's word and weep about it. We could, we could call people out and saying you're unsaved, you're, you're going to hell. And laugh about it, and they will because of that. Or we can approach him and say, you know what? God loves you because God loves you. I love you, and our prov- there's something about loving to tell the truth and telling the truth in love. A lot of times, we as believers we love to tell the truth. Well, it's the truth, brother. I'm just telling you the truth. No, you're not. The Bible says, "Tell the truth in love." Love is holy. Love is pure. Love is not puffed up. Love does not brag about himself, uh, him or herself. 1 Corinthians 13. And so we see here a greater heightened reverence for God came out of this. The church is always strengthened when it catches a vision for the holiness of God. They saw God for who he really was. They didn't see him as a hater they didn't see him just as a judge. They, they, they realized who he was and, and that, that if we're to enjoy his presence and enjoy his, his goodness, you know, do you realize God, he would, he would rather, I think it's one of the Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets, I want to say Malachi, he says, or Haggai, he says, I want to judge quickly so I can move back into mercy. God loves to live in the area of his goodness, not in the area of his judgment. He likes to hang out over here. He only steps into this role if something is about to quench or kill or pervert his presence. Do you understand me? But he says, you know what, I just, he says, I'm a good father. I'm a good God. Moses, I'm going to cause my glory to come before you. But before that, I want you to see my goodness. I want you to witness my goodness. What the book of Acts Church was witnessing here was the goodness of God. How so? Revival broke out. They thought they were in revival. Next thing you know, true revival began to break out. The Bible says there were more signs and wonders. There was greater unity in the church. It says they were all in one accord in Solomon's temple. They all came together, almost like, I would say, in in the same way that they were in one accord in the upper room. They were in one accord, one heart, one mind, one spirit, one father, one creator, one faith. They, they, they were in accord with one another. They knew what church, or knew what this was all about. Verse 13 says, and yet none of the rest dared to join them. Who were they? They were unbelievers who saw what happened, and but they did not dare mix in with the believers claiming to be somebody that they, that they weren't. In other words, that even if the world doesn't want to give their lives to Christ, even if an individual doesn't want to give, yet in the same token, they will. They know something is right about this. They know something is true. Maybe they're not ready yet, but they dare not say, I'm a Christian, if they do not believe so. We have a lot of people in our country today, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but yet there's no fruit. There's no sense of hunger, no sense of desire. But on the flip side, the Bible says, but the people esteemed them highly. In other words, when they saw how God dealt with sin among the believers, they realized that the church as a whole was pleasing God and held high standards of honesty and righteousness. Therefore, they even magnified God. But then verse 14 says, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. While there were those who stood back and said, you know what? I'm not ready to go there yet, but I give honor to the God of this body, to the church, to Jesus Christ. I recognize it's real. On the flip side though, the Bible says, people by the droves came to Christ. I love how the New King James says, multitudes, both men and women. You know that God is equal opportunity, right? It wasn't just men. But the women as well, children, boys and girls, they by the multitudes came to the Lord. In verse 15, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them, laid, bed, laid, laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Because believers had confidence in the Lord, they brought the sick. Because the believers had confidence in the Lord, they brought, do you realize that probably the biggest hindrance to receiving from the Lord is unbelief, lack of confidence, distrust, dishonesty, all these things that are that would fall under hypocrisy. But when the church saw what God had done, the confidence, the faith rose, and they and they said all the, and all the more they were bringing people out. They believed the Lord would honor Peter's faith, even if Peter could not physically lay hands on each one of them. They thought if if Peter just passes, if he's just passing down the street, even if his mere shadow touches us, what what were they really referring to? Even if he's passing through, the presence of God is with him. He may not have to physically lay hands on me, but I know the glory of the Lord is passing by. I know the healer is passing by. I know the, 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 the one who, who breaks bondages is passing by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the word says not only them, but also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people, unclean spirits, people being tormented, demon possessed, sick. And what does the word say? What's the last words they say? And all of them were healed. All of them. All of them. It didn't just happen to Jesus. I mean, we read the life of Jesus and and everybody he prayed for, they were all healed. But now we see the church is praying for the sick. And they're batting a thousand. It wasn't just one out of every ten or every twenty. But rather all of them were being healed healed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just happening in the immediate church. Surrounding towns, they were hearing about this. They heard of this God of Peter, this God of the apostles, this God of this New Testament church, this God of these people that, that, that are full of the Holy Spirit and with power. They heard about it and they heard about the glory that was being revealed in it and they all came around, and all of them were being healed. Do you realize that that is truly God's standard of living? Does that condemn the one who hasn't received a healing? No. That's not, the, that's, not, that's not what's being said here. But Rather, no, because sometimes we think, you know, God will do it for everybody else, but he won't do it for me. No, he desires to do it for everybody. It's his will that everybody is healed by his stripes. We are healed to say otherwise is to say that Christ's sacrifice was not enough, not enough to save, not enough to heal, not enough to set free, not enough to change a life. I pray that even during this 90 day cycle that we're in leading up to Christmas, and I said this to you last week, but there may be people in your life right now that you've written down on cards or you're gonna write them down on cards before the day is out and you think to yourself, my goodness, they eat nails for breakfast. There is no way they'll ever believe. Look at the example that happened right here. When we live such a life of devotion and, and freedom and liberty and love and honesty, because this is the thing, I, I learned this as, uh, early on in my life. That God, as he is, God desires transparency. Now, he knows us better than we know ourselves, and so where's the transparency? It's us being honest with ourselves. It's us saying, you know what, God, I know you know this, but forgive me for this. It's because when, when, where there's transparency, where there is uh, purity, where there is holiness, uh, there is freedom. Freedom from a... From, from condemnation. You no longer have to be weighed down by condemnation, the fear of judgment over something you've done. But rather, when you're walking in the freedom, when you're walking in liberty, when you're walking in forgiveness, walking in purity, when there's nothing between you and he, if you're spending half of your prayer time saying, God, forgive me for this, or God, forgive me for that, or you know, trying to catch up on all your sins then you're not experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus Christ because he's already forgiven you. If you're always saying, Lord, I'm so unworthy, he's made you worthy. That's why he says you can come in boldly into my presence. Boldly come to me and make your requests known. Amen. Would you stand with me right now? church what the world's looking for is authenticity and what I mean by that is they're looking to see if we say who we are or not if we're the people of God then where is the demonstration if, if God is love then where is the demonstration if God is peace then where is the, if God is sacrifice then where is the demonstration of it that's the authenticity that the world is looking for and so I want to ask you this morning, just close your head and bow your eyes as the, as the music is cued here now. But I want you just to say, Lord, am I being authentic? Am I being real? Is there anything in me that I say one thing, but in reality, I'm holding out for something else? I'm not altogether forthright. And it's more so between you and God. I'm not talking about with other people, but just you and God to say, Lord, I say I want to give you my life. I say I want, to, I want to walk in all your fullness, but do I really? Am I willing to lay everything down to say, Lord, it's not my life, but your life? Not my will, but your will? Not my desire, but your desires? This is the amazing part. When you are, when you're walking in the presence of God, when you're walking in the spirit of God, when you're, when you're giving your all, his desires now become your desire. You'll find that your priorities begin to take a different look. doesn't mean that you won't not do everything you're doing presently, but rather the way you do them. How you go about your job and how you uh, lead your family and how you uh, reach out to other people, how you minister, the love of God, the presence of God, the holiness of God. And so this morning, if you're here today and I want to ask this one simple question here. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, if you don't have a personal experience with Him, if you don't know Him, if you've never asked Him into your heart and you're saying, I don't want to stand outside the church any longer I want, I, or outside of Christ any longer, I want to be in the body. I want to be I want I want to know him. If that's you today, can you slip up a hand this morning and say, "Pastor, would you agree with me?" Anyone in the house? Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, "Lord, I want to I want to I want to walk I want to walk in revival. I want to walk in the fullness, everything you have to offer, I want to experience it. Everything you have to offer, I want to know it. Everything you have to offer, I want to step out in it. That's my prayer. That's my desire today. And so this morning, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invite you to bring your cards to the front. You can drop them on the, on the, on the altar here. But I'm going to ask you, will you take time this morning, right now, and will you say, Lord, I'm not you know, when it comes to my possessions, my, who, you know, me, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm not going to say one thing but then do something else. I'm not going to be like an Ananias who says this is everything and then yet holding back something. But, God, I want to give it all. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna open up these altars for that as well. If you wanna come and just, whether in your pew, turn around and kneel or, but a place where you can talk to God and no one else. And if that's you today, I wanna give this chance. Lord, I thank you this morning for this opportunity that we have to be in your presence, Lord, where there truly is fullness of joy, where there are pleasures forevermore. Such joy, dear God, that it's contagious. Such peace that it's contagious. Such power and presence that it's contagious, dear God. Lord, I pray, dear God, over the hearts and minds of every believer, Lord. Dear God, even if there's just a measure of envy, a measure of jealousy, a measure of doubt, a measure of fear, your word calls us to be the fearless church. To be a church on the move, a church moving forward. Individuals, dear God, that are living in the fullness of the Spirit. God, that's my desire. That's our desire. Dear God, continue that work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you bring your cards forward today? Would you lay them on the altar saying, Lord, I'm believing for these people? Would you take some time yourself and and say, Lord, here I am. I give it all. I give you my life. I give you my everything in Jesus' name.